The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the seventh chapter. Glory Glory to you, Lord. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Gospel of our Lord. You guess see which one sounds better. Happy Pentecost Day. Let's say it together. Happy Pentecost Day. Now let's say the reverse, Day of Pentecost. Happy Day of Pentecost. Pentecost. Does one sound better than the other? They're both kind of hard. Pentecost. It's not like Easter or something like that. But it's a beautiful day. And actually, I pass these out. So we're going to consider Pentecost today. And I'm going to ask you to take these out and take some and write things down. And, and maybe even tuck these things into your Bible in the Acts chapter 2 or into different places where you think it might read in there. We're going to go through kind of a journey of sorts, which is some of the themes for today. Um, we're going to go through this Old Testament part, and then we're going to consider the New Testament part. And we're going to see how they're interrelated and connected. And on the Old Testament side of things, that starts. if you look on that paper, it says down there on the festivals remembered. We've just come off on the church year of a church year where we were remembering as Christians, a Jewish thing, of the Unleavened Bread Festival. It's seven days. It starts on a Sabbath and it ends on a Sabbath. Okay? And as soon as that one was over, we start another celebration of about seven weeks. And then that was the festival spring harvest. And at the end of those seven weeks, on the 50th day, hence Christians also have Pentecost Day, we have the other celebration of Shavuot, or the giving of the Torah. So those are three festival timelines. They're very much underneath and woven into our Christian experience that we're going to be reflecting upon both of those today. And um, again, you're going to have to work with me because energy is a little low. So look on the Old Testament part first. Put in there Egypt. So the setting of this first festival that has been remembered even through these days was that they're remembering what happened in Egypt, in the context of Egypt. Can you, I mean, again, work with me if we're having an interaction moment in here. What are the conditions of God's people? If you were to describe what you remember from the people when they're in, this, in Egypt and before the Exodus coming out, what was the condition of God's people? What would you say would be some of the attributes to them? They were slaves. And what else do you say about being a life of a slave? How, what, what would you unpack with that? Very short. short lives, hard, hard lives, hard work. It's oppressive. It's intense. It's not a lot of gratitude in there. In this world, we'd like to get pats on the backs and we had a boys. There's not a whole lot of that when you're just working as a, as a laborer, right? So they have this very dif- difficult life. It's a life of hardship and they're in a bondage of sorts, slaves. All right? So that's the condition of God's people. Now, in rolls a promise to set them free from that. And then they put on there nine plagues inflicted. What Can you guys remember any of the plagues? We don't need to remember all nine, but what were some of the plagues that were inflicted that they experienced? Frogs. Got like the frogs. So you can write frogs down. What was another plague? Locusts. Before we get to the tenth plague, the first nine. 
frogs, locusts, anything else comes to mind? The river, yeah, they all they're now turned to blood. So what else? You can, you can write this stuff down. Blood. What else? This is cows died. There was a plague upon the cows. There was hailstones, right? And then there was gnats, and there was flies, and there were boils. That's just kind of gross. Boils. <laughs> It really is boils. These big, puffed-up, infectious things boils. All right. So there's these things are being put on them. Now we think about the discomforts in this, but really, what these are these is God is is destroying and 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 overcoming the gods of Egypt one by one by one with these plagues, and He's putting them on them. And as they do this, the Egyptians are receiving it in one way, but the Israelites are sitting back and saying, "Wow, our God's pretty strong." They might be growing in confidence. They might be growing in the assertion that their God is the God. And all these gods of these Egyptians, they're not so God, right? So that's kind of going on. So we're remembering this festival, seven-day festival. This is what the people of God are remembering as they go back in history and remember these things. Now, before they get to the 10th plague, there was a piece to this. It was, it was actually, I put in here, so you'd remember it, a perpetual ordinance. What does perpetual mean? If, if I'm a five-year-old and you're trying to describe perpetual to me, what would you say? Forever. Scientists, what else would you say? What's that? Infinity. Okay. Almost like if you're in a computer system, I used to write these things, you can make an endless loop. You get to a program, get to another book, and boots right back to the beginning. It makes an endless loop. They call it a virus now, but whatever it is, you can make these things. And it's just perpetual. Every year on this day, after the first, uh, when the sun said it was spring and the moon said it was the first moon of that one on the 14th day, you remembered. So they had a a set, like clockwork. They remembered. They remember this whole journey. And on there, the thing that they're to remember, there's some big pieces of that. They remember about the lamb. What do you guys remember about the lamb? Was it to be the three-legged, four-eyed, mangy-looking, 30-year-old lamb? Perfect, unblemished, male. Why about one-year-old? I mean, it was to be your best lamb, right? So on there, your best lamb, perfection. And on the bread, what do you remember about the bread? Were you supposed to be like um, sifted five times, finely ground, um, layered up, raisined five or six times to make some sort of a parfait-like thing? Or was it supposed to be... Right, unleavened, peasant bread. Peasants don't have the luxury. If you're in a hurry, you don't have the luxury of letting it rise. You put the heavy ingredients in there, you bake it, and it's and it's got a lot of calories. It's dense, but it's just wheat and flour and maybe some honey if you're lucky. And that's it. There's your bread. So remember, a perfect thing. We have bread there. Any other instructions about that night that you remember from the Passover? No leftovers. Yep, kind of like the Boy Scouts, leave nothing but footprints and take nothing but pictures. That's kind of how you're eating this, right? You're setting yourself up for that. Yeah, you know the Boy Scout things. So, so the instructions, what else with that? Leave nothing, need, no, need nothing behind. What else were the instructions for the night? There's some other cool pieces in there. What else? So there was instructions about what you do with the, sacri- the blood of the animal because they had when the kosher, you drain the blood out and what you do with the blood. So there's some instructions about the blood. We're going to get that in a moment. How about guys? It's you're not you're 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 going to have your robes kind of tied up so you can run, and you're going to have your sandals on your feet, as rude as it might be in your house, and you're supposed to have your staff in your hand. You're ready to go. You are ready to go. 
So in this week, this celebration that they remember every year, they're remembering these instructions, they're remembering these events. And then comes the day of the Passover. They have the Seder meal that they've been doing, this Passover meal. And then comes the day of the Passover. And on that one, the tenth plague is inflicted. I want you to think about this. Is there anybody on the face of the planet that doesn't experience the tenth plague? Anybody? I've met one. That's Jesus. And even then, his body died. He just defeated it. Tenth plague hits us all. It was just interesting how on this one it was there. The firstborn were going to die. The firstborn male. How about firstborn males? Any firstborn males in here? I'm one of them. I'd be gone. Firstborn males, we'd be gone. But the, the phrase on this one is once you get there, I, I circle that word stand over. So on that Passover, see where it says a slash and stand over? I want you to circle that. Because we also know that if you write something down and you see it and you hear it, you've got a greater chance you're going to remember it. I want you to think of Passover. Now, Passover, I don't want you to think of so much as it, they're inside cowering, hoping something that's going over. I want you to imagine that God, in the, in the power and the awesome that God is, He has the Israelite house right there between His legs, and He's standing over it. He's like saying, come and take it. And they can't. God is standing over And as he stands over, he's got his protection, and he's got his provision, and death goes over because God's God underneath. That's a different image of Passover. And the people are going to remember that in this week. Again, remember, we have this one festival leads to another to another that we're remembering. So we have that going on. Uh, The tenth plague comes, but not to God's people. Not to God's people. God stands over. God protects him, and the firstborn will live. Firstborn will live. All right, then, that's the festival of unleavened bread on the 10th plague. Um, one piece to highlight before we go on the next one. I'm a lousy painter. I just am. I, I, can, I can paint. I can sling paint all over. But I also sling paint where I'm not supposed to sling paint. And just before we moved up here, we were painting the house because we had hailstorms wreck the house on the outside, and we had, I had boys wrecking the house for 12 years, 11 years on the inside. So we had repairs, as you can imagine. And what I noticed is that every time I grab, you know, put paint in here, frequently as I put it up, it drips. That was part of my thing. And I think I just had lousy paint the first batch because it was watery paint. I changed paint, and it made it a little bit easier on me. So when they were taking the blood of this lamb on the Passover that they remember, they had branches or horsetailed, whatever they used for brushes, and they had a basin where the, blood, the lamb of blood was at, and they put it in there. And then imagine if this is kind of like the door frame right here. I take the blood, and I put it across the top first, Okay. And I go back and I get some more blood. And then I start coming on this side. Right? And I come back over and get some more blood. I come back and I put it on this side. Now when I paint, if I put it up here, where's the drops go? Straight down. Right? Isn't that interesting when you make the sign of the cross from here to here? And then from the doorposts, from here to here, and the drops, all the wound points are now on the ground from our risen Lord who's on a cross. And they were doing it with a Passover. I think it's connected. I think it's intentional. And I think it's beneficial for us to remember as much as the Jews remember in this week. All right? Because, because later on, because the cross, death passed over differently. Now in the wilderness, let's go to that festival. What was the next festival? So the first one was Festival of Unleavened Bread. What's the next festival? 
spring harvest, right? So on the festival of the spring harvest, they're going to pick up. Now, once they've gone through this whole plague system and they've gone to the Passover and now they've been set free, that next day they start, the next, they start their next festival. It starts on that very next day. And this festival doesn't go just for one Sabbath to one Sabbath. It goes for seven Sabbaths. Seven. If you think a seven is a complete number, this is seven completes on a complete symbolism with the numbers. And it's also the duration, the amount of time it took on the Passover events to hear versus the next one, because this next one's going to remember like 40 years. A long time, so seven weeks. Now, when they do that, the priests were to go outside the city into the fields and they were to take some barley or whatever wheat, wheat was out there grown, and the, and the spring harvest was about ready. So they go out there and they cut that, and they would take that as the first fruits, the spring harvest festival. And they would take that and they would wave that as they go through the city and then into the temple and they go around the temple and they would wave the celebration of God's first fruit. Okay? That's what it is. The spring harvest and the first fruits. Actually, it's the first of the grain because the the harvest of the fruit would come in the fall, but the first fruits of this. And they would do that. Now, with that, they're remembering the Old Testament part. Now, in the Old Testament, when they're set free in the wilderness, what is that people learn frog? Does anybody know what frog means? Frog stands for? It's kind of a clever little thing that kids use. They had bracelets for it and everything a couple years ago. Frog. What does frog stand for, guys? Gals. Fully rely on God. Mother of a teenager. God, know this one. So write this down. People learn. So in the wilderness piece, in this next piece, F-R-O-G, fully rely on God. So they're waving this thing, and they're celebrating. They're being provided for in the wilderness for all those years. They're remembering that they'll get to the promised land, and they'll have fruits. They're remembering a lot of things as they parade and go through these next days. And it's not so much as an event as it is a journey. They remember the journey into slavery and out of slavery for those seven days. Now, these next days, it's another journey. And they they fully rely on God. Now, when they're in the wilderness... If you go to the desert, it's not really, it's kind of hard to imagine here, but some of the country between us and where I lived before, there's some wilderness. There's not a lot of food, unless you're good at chewing on cedars, and I can say that they don't taste very well. There's not much there. There's not a lot of water. So if you're going to wilderness, hundreds of thousands of you, you're going to have to learn to fully rely on God. He's going to bring you the food. You're not in charge of your life. You're not even in charge of what, how long you're going to... You fully, fully rely that God is God and you're not. You don't have to be in control. God's in control. And that's a long, hard lesson that I could scarcely say any one of us even knows how to do today, myself included. I'm always trying to figure out how to rely on God because I want to be in charge. And so they've got this festival of 40... Now, seven weeks. Seven times seven is... Confidence. Come on. We got high school, we got university professors in here. Seven times seven is forty-nine. And then one more day. So they added that other day on the fiftieth day. So for these seven weeks, they're remembering all they got in the wilderness. They're remembering the food provisions, they're remembering the water provisions, they're remembering how they sinned. After Moses goes up the hill and they don't even have the patience for God to come, they make a golden calf and they start worshiping a false god. They're remembering all these things. But they're also doing a couple of other things. That next place says, Ten plagues goes to what? 
Ten Commandments. They're remembering that in Egypt, they had the plague. But in Egypt, they had false gods. They had idolatries and they had immoralities with those gods. Now they're with God in the wilderness and they're going to move towards Ten Commandments. Ten things that are like holy living. Ten ways that you can walk close with your God and you can be set free from the idolatry. And you can be set free from the immorality. And you can experience life that God intended in this wilderness. You move from ten plagues to ten commandments. And there's another subtle movement in there, but again, it's moving from slavery, idolatry to sin, to now freedom and holiness. And when they wave that first fruit sheath and they pray these things, they're remembering all of these things. The last piece on there, it says the festival, does anybody say that word? Festival of Shavat. All right, so after after seven, seven Sabbaths, on that next first day, what are the Jewish people celebrating even today? What is Shabbat? The giving of the Ten Commandments. They celebrate the giving of the Torah. Okay? So on the 50th day, they are given the commandments and they are given this. And on that day, for 24 hours, the Jewish people are to read the Torah. For 24 hours, they're to read these Ten Commandments and they're to remember all that God has done nonstop for that whole day. That's the 50th day. So now as Jewish Christians, we Judeo-Christians, we have, again, the week of uh, Passover, the week of unleavened bread that starts with the next week of the harvest that now starts with the celebration of Shabbat. And that's a lifetime. That's a lifetime of a journey. Okay. Now at the end of this, remembrance of the Old Testament, what are the condition of God's people? Where are they at now? The annual remembrance. They remember these things every year. Has anything changed? They're still slaves. By the time we get to the New Testament, they just have Romans. They don't have Egyptians. They have Romans. But they're still slaves to sin. Even after the Day of their Atonement, when they have all the sacrifices and they celebrate that God's going to forgive them, they're atoned for. They set one goat free, one gets slaughtered. That day as they walk home, they could be looking at it and says, Man, I'm driving an old Toyota and that Mercedes is really nice. I'd rather have that Mercedes. Now I coveted. I didn't even get from the doorpost of the church to my house. And I've already coveted after something. And then, okay, I'm thinking I'll, on the guy scenario, and I'm walking down there, and wow, there's some beautiful athletic types over there working out. And now i got a lustful thought in my head. I didn't get even off the footsteps of the church before I've sinned again. They're still in bondage to sin. They still now have to wait a whole nother year before they get to the place where they can have a day of atonement, and that will only last until that next moment. They're still in bondage. They're still slaves, guys. That's the condition of them in the Old Testament. Now keep that on the other paper. Now we're going to go to the New Testament side. Okay, Ready on the New Testament side? What is the condition of God's people when Jesus is, is, is walking, when it's God and Jesus? What's that? Yeah, they're occupied by the Romans, and they're in the sinful place that we just kind of described. We won't spend too much time there. So that's the condition. Same as it's been in the Old Testament. But they're... they're they're begging, they're hoping, they, they're looking for something more, right? So they're conditioned, they're longing for something. They have all these good memories of what God has done, but they're, not, they're, they're missing something, the fulfillment of this. All right, so then we have, so in the Old Testament, we had the nine plagues that were inflicted. I want you to think about nine plagues that were overcome by Jesus. Because in God and Jesus Christ, he didn't inflict plagues. The only thing he got mad was a tree and withered the fig tree that didn't have fruit. Other than that, I can't think of a whole lot of plagues. 
But if he overcame things, what were some of the things that were plaguing people that he overcame? There's a bunch of them. Give me some of them. A blindness. Someone that was blind and he overcame their blindness. Leprosy. The skin disease rotting, it takes you out of your community. He overcame that disease. There's more. What else? There's, there's people with withered hands on the Sabbath. He made you shake your hands straight. Death, that will come a little bit. Absolutely, that was Lazarus. There's one of those. Cripples, the people that couldn't walk. They had to be dropped down and cut through the roofs. Demons. He said to the demons, be quiet and get out of here. Interesting that some of the times that was within the church. Wasn't it? The very first one in the book of Mark within the church. That's another day. So he said to demons, be quiet. To the storms. Storms. Shh. Be still. And the waves calm. Jesus, when he came, he didn't bring the plagues. He brought the solutions. He brought the healing. Old Testament, you have this, but the New Testament, with Jesus, we have this. Now, on the perpetual ordinance side of it, on his last supper, he was the lamb. He was perfect. He's the son of God. Perfect. Echoes of the Old Testament. Perfect lamb. Young. Strong. Perfect. Bread. He, he has the bread and he breaks it. He uses bread there. Only now it's his, going to be his body. It's, at this point, still probably unleavened. It's, it's not a chance to rise up, but it's, it's unleavened. And the instructions were similar. Remember. The Old Testament, he said, remember. He commanded. It's a perpetual. You know, to some hard-headed folks, you have to command it. To some people who might love you, you can just say, remember. And he says, Remember. Remember what I'm doing with this. So there's the instructions. Now in the new covenant, this, this, this last plague that's over everybody, remember we did the whole blood thing. Now instead of God standing over the houses like this, kind of like in a f- football stand saying, come and take it, and you can't, you can't push them. Now on this one, you have this, like a staff, and it's stuck in the ground. And Jesus is upon it, giving his life on the cross can't take this. I give it. And he's going to draw them all back in. Death is going to pass over because with this new um, thing to remember, it's not on the doorposts. With Jesus and his command, with Jesus and his words, if you guys will write this down, the plague overcome, it's because it's on the inside. The bread is now inside your mouth. It's inside your belly. And from there, it goes to your muscles, your organs, your glands, your tissues, the things that connect the bones, your bones, yourself. You drink the wine. It's flowing in your blood. Within seconds, it's being absorbed. It's even starting to be absorbed in your mouth. You can't separate it. It's not on the exterior. It's on the interior. Boy, that's a big change. God's covenant is now on the inside. I think that's just awesome. Now, moving on. So there's the festival of unleavened bread. Now we're going to move into this festival of the springtime harvest with Jesus. The disciples learned to fully rely on God. For three years they walked with him. Three years. They watched what he did. They heard what he said. They watched his power over all these things. And they were inspired to follow. They went from ten commandments to two commandments. Don't have to get complicated because when God gave them ten, it turned into be over six hundred how do, you, how do you say, keep the Sabbath? Well, can I paint my toenails on the Sabbath? No. There's commandment number two. 
or number 11. Well, can I cut the grass? No. Well, can I? You have 600 commands to unpack 10. Well, Jesus said, oh, forget all that. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to say, love your heavenly father with all that you got. Love the father with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. That's everything. The second commandment, simple, just like it. Love each other the way you want to be loved. Love each other. Love God, love each other. Simple. They'll take everything you got and will give you everything you have. Love your God. So he took away 10 plus 600 and he gave them to love. And then in this whole process in this thing, it takes them from slavery and idolatry and sin, which is our, that, that life, and he's moving them to freedom. The disciples are learning what it means to be free. They're not in bondage to a mortgage company. They don't have to worry about fashion. They don't have to worry about just about anything except what Jesus says to do, and that's to love God and love each other. How beautiful is that? Beautiful. Holiness. Walking with God. That's holiness. When you're that close, walking with God, that's going on. So the festival of unleavened bread, seven days. Now, after Jesus goes to the cross, he puts this covenant that says, death can't get to the inside of you because I'm on the inside of you. Now, on the first day, first day of the week, what does the church remember happens on the first day of the week? After Good Friday, after Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Saturday vigil, what happens on that first day of the week? Christ is, Jesus, Christ is risen. He is risen today. Hallelujah. First day of the week. Okay, so you got this batch of seven. So when they say that Jesus is the first fruits, you should stir up a 49 festival because when Jesus, they did the first of the grain, Jesus was the first fruit. He came out first. And the rest of his family follows. Jesus is the first fruit. That festival of spring harvest, it begins with Jesus Christ on his resurrection. Old Testament linked with New Testament right there. First is Jesus. And then for all these days, he's showing us all kinds of things. He's showing us he's alive and well. He's breathing on them the Holy Spirit. He's saying, peace be with you. There's no war between us. I know exactly what you think. I know exactly your motives. I know everything about you. I, my love is bigger than your capacity to sin. That's what's happening on that day. And we celebrate that for 49 days. And he says, stay in the city until, the, until what comes? I'm going to send the counselor, the advocate to you. The Holy Spirit comes. The apostles were supposed to stay in the city for those days. Right? And on the 50th day, hence we say Penta for 50, Pentecost... We don't have the celebration of the giving of the, cold, of the Ten Commandments, which shows us our sin. We have the giving of the God's Holy Spirit, which will give us life. We have Jesus' covenant flowing within us, and we have the Holy Spirit of God, God Himself now in us, baptized, received this as His gift. That's what we remember on our 50th day. But the links are to the Old Testament. You cannot separate the two. We have the festival of unleavened bread, Jesus Christ. We have the festival of the spring harvest that begins with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. We have the festival of the Holy Spirit. Once Jesus has ascended, he sends the Holy Spirit. The God, the Holy Spirit, is now with us. Those are our festivals. And you notice that the first one was seven days, seven, seven days, uh, Sabbath to Sabbath. The next one is seven of those, 49 days. The next one just goes endless. There's no end to this time. It's our journey. It's the church's journey. With God of the Old Testament, God and Jesus Christ and God and the Holy Spirit with us going forever forward. 
Now, as we go forever forward, how are we to be a people and what are we to remember? And that's where we get to this last piece, last piece, the condition. When we leave here today, we've got to know our condition. Our condition is that we um, are in a new age. Okay, The age of Jesus' resurrection started a new age. That, that book closed, and this book opened. And this age goes forward. It begins with the resurrection. A new age. The eighth day, the first day of the week. Right? So a new age has begun. And the first fruit promise, we're to remember that first fruit promise. That's Jesus. And all those who, who live in him now and go to sleep in him, they'll live forever. There's life eternal. And he's a, he went into the ground. He brings many out. All those analogies of first fruits. We're to remember that because we are that people. We are, first, we are living people today, tomorrow, for all eternity. And then the other piece is that God has fully come. We're not alone. God is not far away. It, we're to remember on this day. Okay, again, we're baptized. If you've been baptized, raise your hand. You've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. You have faith and you're here today because of the Holy Spirit. So people of God, it's no time. The time to be small living and quiet and shy and, and going is gone. This is the day to be celebrating all that God has done. All the things that fulfilled in the New Testament that we, we remember today. God has absolutely fully come. And on this day, we've remembered. We've remembered the things in the Old Testament. And every Sunday we'll remember. We might remember this story the exact same way for the next 50 years. It's all good. We will not forget. And having remembered, we've known. We know who God is. We know who Jesus is. But the next piece is part of our journey. We make him known. That's it. If all you do is breathe in the knowledge and hold your breath, you'll die. The church will die. Unless you exhale this knowledge and shared your faith with somebody, then you can breathe it back in again. You have to give and receive. It's a giving and a taking. It's a flowing. That's living water. That's not stagnant water. You want to see a life, a church that's alive and well, and people are bustling. It's because they're giving as well as receiving. It's in giving that you find joy. We breathe out what we first received. That's what the Holy Spirit did. When Jesus came, he breathed on them, the disciples from the inside of a little building, and they went out in the middle of Jerusalem, and they said the good news. And thousands heard it and changed. And from there, they went to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes that we can proclaim Jesus Christ and all the good news fulfilled in him. No other reason. Proclaim him in what we do, proclaim him what we, how we love, what we say, our conduct of our lives. That's the journey for our life. For life. It won't be perfect. It'll get messy. But we're not alone because God is with us. And we do know our purpose, to know him and to make him known. I'm going to stop. Amen. Let's sing our song.